Hello everyone and welcome. My name is Andrew. And I'm Rachel. And we are Picture the Scene Podcast. We are a true crime podcast aiming to put you, the listener, at the scene of the crime. Each week we delve into the murky world of lesser-known crimes from the UK and Ireland, and occasionally we venture into renowned cases from around the globe. Now if you like what you hear, please do follow us on whatever social media platform you prefer, subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform of choice, and if you have the capability, give us a rating and review as well. It really means a world to us. And we now, Rachel, have over a thousand followers on TikTok. Oh, wow. We've, we're TikTok famous, guys. For me, a thousand followers, like, good enough. I, I think maybe five of them actually listen to the podcast, but, you know. <laughs> uh, and if you like us that much that you want to support us, you can do so for less than the price of a cup of tea or coffee on Patreon with our lowest tier starting at £1 per month. We release bonus content every month. The links to our social medias and Patreon can be found in the show notes or visit patreon.com forward slash scenepod. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash S-C-E-N-E-P-O-D. So as with any true crime podcast, listening discretion is always advised. And today there is no exception as I will be describing death mutilation and general horribleness so i try to always avoid it avoid this as you all know where i can but i think the context is needed today delightful yes i'll still be avoiding some but the context is needed and we do where possible now we release our episodes a week early for our patient supporters so this may be episode one of season four but right now episode two is already available on patreon isn't that exciting? Gosh, here we are, season four, and you're already talking about episode two before you've told me about episode one. That's true. Now, it's, so you see, we're we're in the future. How how can it be available if we've not even spoke about oh, it yet? But, mind blown. Yeah. It's been a few weeks, Rachel, since we last spoke, and it's felt odd not seeing you on a weekly to talk murder, Aww. death, and all things crime. So, how are you doing? Yeah, I can't believe we're in season four. Like... It's it's a bit of a pinch me moment, um, but yeah, I too have missed our recording time, and uh, in fact, my other half has been asking me that, have you have you not been recording lately? So, uh, you know, he's obviously booting me back into the uh, early early room uh, to uh, to get on the pod. So, so I imagine inside Rachel, you're ready to burst, and I don't mean because you're about to give birth. More, more so because you're really ready for some true crime. Is that right? Absolutely. And and I don't know whether you've ever been taught much about the birds and the bees, but there's no bursting happening when you're about to give birth, Andrew, okay? I'll just think about like the alien films where they burst out the stomach. Does that not happen? No. Oh, no. that's a shame. Um, but yeah, I'm very much ready for this. Bring it on. Good. I don't want kids now. Um, so... <laughs> If it's safe for you to do so, I'd like you to relax. Close your eyes and picture the scene. Today, I'd like to go back to August the 29th, 1991, and we're going to Southall in London. Now, Southall is in West London, in the Greater London area, and it has a population of around 80,000 people. It's roughly 11 miles from the centre of London, and the earliest record of its existence is from the year 830. Now, we have actually visited Southall before, for the poisoner, like for your that we covered way back in episode 20 of season one, Rachel. 
So it's the memory now. It is, yeah. So for those of you that remember the area, it has the nickname of Little India due to its large Southeast Asian population. So it shouldn't be a surprise to you that it's also home to the largest Sikh temple found outside of Asia. Now, it's not just people with Southeast Asian heritage that live there, though. At one point, it was really popular with people from Wales, it has a, which is a bit random, but it was. It has a population of people with Caribbean heritage and also many other places from around the world. It's, just before you say the word heritage, I keep on thinking you're going to say the word hair. <laughs> um, Sorry. That's okay. There's not hundreds of people walking around with Caribbean hair. I don't even know what Caribbean hair is, but yeah. Anyway, but it's excellent now because it, it, it creates a really diverse and thriving community, which is always a good thing, isn't it, Rachel? Always. On this day in August the 29th, way back in 1991, it's only just the 29th because it's a little past midnight and David Smith had just withdrawn £150 from a cash machine ready for what he had planned. Even though it was just after midnight, probably because it was August, the weather was good, with the temperature being 16 degrees Celsius, which is almost 61 degrees Fahrenheit, and it was a clear night due to little cloud cover and no rain. So David would have been happy enough with how he felt. So. It's the kind of night that you go out without a coat, isn't it? Yeah, well, that was the end of my sentence. Um, oh. <laughs> no, no need for a coat, so yeah, exactly right, yeah. And yeah, it... it Kind of like we don't mind withdrawing, I guess, Rachel. But um, So David, David was 34 years old and he was a lorry driver as his main job. However, he, he also DJed part-time as well. He lived with his parents still in Middlesex and he was a loner, not having many friends or actually any friends at all. Oh, no. Yeah, because, because David lived at home with his parents, he had a lot of his wages available as disposable income. And each week he would spend, on average, around two-thirds of his wages on escorts, sex workers, and sex phone lines. Do you know what? This man would be in serious debt if you brought forward this case 20 years and only fans existed. Actually, 30 years? Did you say 1991? Yes. Guys, I still think we're in 2011, clearly. <laughs> um, no, bring it, bring it forward 30 years with only fans. And yeah. um, you don't even need to leave the house to withdraw your cash, do you? No, you don't. You're right. And to the people that knew David, even if they were not friends with him, they had a nickname for him, Rachel. Oh, dear. And this was due to the fact that he was six foot three inches tall and he was quite heavy set with fair hair. They would nickname him the Honey Monster or Lurch. Oh, no. Yes. That That's not a pleasant nickname. No, it's not, no. So David had a week off work, and with August the 29th being a Thursday, he was halfway through his week off, and he'd arranged to meet several escorts that week. So here he was in Southall, using an alias to go meet Angie, an escort who lives in Southall in her flat, to pay for sex. Now, Angie was a pseudonym for Sarah Crump. Sarah was 33 years old, lived in Southall alone and had a long-term partner, 22-year-old taxi driver, Mohammed Yunus. Sarah kept a secret from Mohammed and the rest of her family and friends. Now, that secret was the fact that she was an escort. By day, Sarah was working as a receptionist for 
chiropodist at Wembley Hospital, but in the evening and at weekends, she worked as an escort. Now, it's believed Sarah first altered as an escort to supplement her wages as she was saving for infertility treatment because her family would later say that her priority, her only priority, was to become a mother. Oh, no, that's really heartbreaking because usually you hear of people taking escort jobs because they want, like, you know, to meet like sugar daddies kind of thing and, and have that kind of lifestyle and and not have to worry about holding down a job. But it sounds like she, well, obviously she had a permanent job and she needed extra money to supplement her income and help her uh, towards her ambitions of being a mum. That's so sad. Yeah, because IVF treatment back then was at the very beginning and it was really expensive, wasn't it? Well, it still is, but it was even more expensive then. So on that night, David went to Sarah's flat to engage in consensual sex with her. Sarah would charge £100 per 30 minutes or £150 per hour. Now, can I just ask a question? Yeah. So an escort, I thought an escort was not not available for like physical contact, but more just for appearances, like yes. out in the public? Yes. In, in theory, it was. But a lot of people who didn't work on the streets called themselves escorts because it meant they could advertise their services. But in reality, so a private sex worker, really? Yeah. In reality, they, they sold sex. But, um, but yeah, an escort, by the defi- standard definition, doesn't offer extra services, but... Most of them do. In that case, it's even more heartbreaking because, you know, you you. I guess the the dangerous assumption I'm going to make here, and I would imagine other people would make it too, is that most people are in that business to fund like drug habits and you know yeah. things like that. And oh, poor Sarah. Yeah. No. Yeah. You'd guess that because he withdrew 150 pounds, he was probably planning on spending an hour with Sarah or. Angie, as he knew her by. Mm. So the pair had never met before. And also an escort as well. They usually work for an agency, so it's more of a um, semi-legal, or technically legal, pimping service, I guess. But yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the pair had never met before, so he was a first-time customer for Sarah. So little did Sarah know that David was a dangerous man, Rachel. In 1976, David had raped a mother at knife point and in front of her children in her own home. Oh, gosh. He'd been found guilty of that and received a four-year sentence. In 1987, he was a taxi driver and he received a two-year suspender sentence for false imprisonment. He had locked a woman inside his car and refused to take her to her location. She only escaped when she started screaming and kicking the back door window to try and smash it, so he let her out. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and 11 days before he had arranged to meet Sarah, he had raped another escort at a hotel, although at this time, when he'd gone to meet Sarah, he hadn't been accused or arrested on that charge. That would come later, and he would also actually be cleared of that charge, but it's widely believed that he did actually do that. Oh, my goodness. At the start of this episode... I felt a bit sorry for David and I honestly thought he was going to be our victim and now I'm not so sure. No, he's definitely not our victim and 
No, I don't think you need to feel sorry for him at all. Oh, I definitely don't feel sorry for him. I just wasn't sure about him being the victim. Yeah, no, he's not, unfortunately. Be better if he was. You'd only have to assume, though, Rachel, with 15 years between his first known rape, I say first known because there could have been more, and the one of the escort worker on August the 18th, 1991, he'd probably committed other rapes, but obviously that's just an assumption. We don't know that. You don't tend to leave 15 years between uh, rapes, and obviously he'd, he'd more than likely um, was planning to rape that woman that he'd locked in his taxi until she escaped. So you imagine, why else would you knock that woman out and also not drive her to a different location. I'm I'm afraid to say as well, like, he's a lonely man living with his parents and, you know, got some awful nicknames as well. Like, he's not going to last long periods of time without needing or wanting attention or thrills or whatever whatever it was he got from these experiences that he had so you're absolutely right there's going to be a lot more victims of his yeah you'd assume so and especially that time of the that time there wasn't really good forensic evidence of stuff like that so and p- police forces wouldn't have spoken to each other either would they so no he was probably in different parts of london with or even the country with being a lorry driver yeah and a dj why would he only be a dj to have access to Younger females. I'm just guessing here. That's not a fact, people. But back to the night of the 29th of August, 1991. Now, we don't know what exactly happened with David and Sarah. We do know that sexual intercourse took place because, sadly, Sarah did die that night. So evidence would show that it did take place, but we'll never know if it was consensual or not. I mean, I'll I'll talk later it's fairly certain it wasn't, but we don't know for a fact. What we do know is that David killed Sarah by stabbing her multiple times in a horrific frenzied attack. Once Sarah was dead, he placed her body on the bed and proceeded to mutilate it. He cut off both of her breasts and placed them next to her on the bed. He cut her side and also her stomach, removing parts of her intestines, and placing them by her side on the bed too. What the hell? It's also believed that it's believed that he had sex with her while she was alive and while she was dead. And it's oh believed that it's believed that he was doing this well. He had sex with her part of it. Oh yes. my god! What a sick, twisted individual. Yeah, I did give you that warning at the beginning. Um, mm. He then cleaned himself up in her bathroom washing the blood of himself before leaving her flats, closing the bedroom door and the front door behind him as he left. So three days later, on the 1st of September, Mohammed, Sarah's boyfriend, called around at her flat as he'd been unable to get a hold of her for the last few days. He had keys to her flat, so he let himself in, and the first thing he saw was the bathroom covered in blood. Fearing the worst, his first thoughts was that maybe Sarah had been pregnant after all without realising it, and that she suffered a miscarriage. So he didn't look anywhere else in the flat, and he took himself straight off to a local hospital to see if she was there. Oh, no! Yeah. When she wasn't there, he contacted the police, telling them what he knew, and they would then go to Sarah's home, and they would find her body in the bed, 
as David had left it. Well, thank God he didn't find it because he would already be traumatized enough, right? So actually yeah. it's probably a saving grace that he only looked in the bathroom. I don't think you'd ever get over finding that crime scene, would you? No. And knowing the victim as personally as he did. Oh, gosh. Yeah, exactly. But David will soon be arrested simply because of his previous history and the police were able to determine a few things about him that would be enough for him to be charged with the murder of Sarah and taken to court. Now, again, because of the time that this happened, I couldn't find out exactly what evidence the police arrested and charged him on, but we have to assume it was the same thing that was brought up at the trial. We do know that... um, they did discover that he was the last one in her flat because she used an agency. Mm. What would happen is for their own safety, um, they would have to phone the agency up. When the client arrived and when the client had left, so they knew mm-hmm. they were safe. And apparently she did phone the agency up after David had apparently left. But the person on the agency said she thought it was strange because she was quiet and to the point and got off the phone quickly so it's why they believed that because of his previous crimes where he'd basically raped women at knife point and she was stabbed to death it's why they believed that he was forcing her to make that phone call before he did what he did oh gosh yes uh, so that's like part of the evidence um and would the would the agency have alerted the police if they'd have if they'd have seen her booked out with a client for an hour and they hadn't have had that call would the agency have then gone straight to the police or would they have attempted contact with her a couple of times and then maybe gone to the police? Like, I think they would have probably, have... yeah, I think they would have probably tried to contact her first because you wouldn't want to be involved in the police unless you had to in this type of industry, no. would you? No. But yeah. So, yeah, it would be found that David had withdrawn the money that I mentioned earlier from an ATM near Sarah's. And they would discover that he was meeting a woman called Angie, later believed to be Sarah using her a fake name now also it's interesting that they also believe that david first turned up to sarah's with a checkbook to try and pay her via check because she took payment first and it's believed that he did that knowing that she wouldn't accept a check but it'd give him chance to scope her flat out to make sure that she was by herself so then but he then... went to the cash machine and took the money out but why withdraw the cat well He's withdrawn the cash so that she gives him the goods, right? Before Possibly, before yeah. he then ties her up. But if he if he if it was premeditated and he'd calculated what he was gonna do with her, you just surely he would have just forced his way in and, and done it anyway, not not gone to the effort of like withdrawing the money. But well, I guess in this yeah. type of human behaviour, you can't make sense of anything, can you? No, I do touch on that a little bit later on. I give my opinion on it and maybe why he did what he did. But yeah, you're right. It's You, you can't really know. Uh, so what, while the prosecution would not be allowed by the judge to introduce his previous conviction of rape, and definitely um, they couldn't obviously introduce the... By this time, he'd been cleared of the rape 11 days earlier, and they couldn't also um, introduce that because he'd been cleared the prosecution would argue that the way in which Sarah was mutilated was the same way in which someone David knew from two years earlier 
had marks on her body. Because back in nineteen, oh, yeah. yeah, back in nineteen eighty nine, David had started to attend a nudist colony in Kent, in which he'd been obsessed with a woman called Janet, who attended a colony, and he'd become obsessed obsessed with her body. Because you see, Rachel Janet had several scars on her body, two from where she'd had a breast enlarged, one running vertical on her side where she had an operation on a gallbladder, and one running horizontal on her stomach from an hysterectomy. Hysterectomy. Thank you. Sarah's body had been mutilated in almost the same way the prosecution would argue. Her breasts had been removed to match the breast enlargement. She had been cut vertically, and that matched Janet's scar from her operation. And also she'd been cut horizontally, which matched Janet's hysterectomy. So the prosecution would also argue that David was an angry, lonely man, that he hated rejection, and they would show a few days earlier he had been stood up on a blind date, and in the month leading up to Sarah's death, several escorts had refused to sleep with him because his penis was too big. Oh. Yeah. Um, And is that... Sorry to um, dive into that one a little bit further, but is it common that when you book an escort, they ask you about the size of your penis? Well, I believe... I don't know whether you can answer that. No, no, I, I can answer... I can't answer if they do. I don't think they do. But from what I could gather, it wasn't... It was when he turned up and... He'd got naked and was aroused. Then it was like, no, that's too big for me. Sorry, we can't do this. And then he would have got a bit of a reputation. Well, I don't know if they spoke to each other, but a few, yeah, I don't know how, I don't know his dimensions, but. um, No. But yeah. Sorry. That's okay. Season four, we haven't, we haven't done an episode in so long. I've just got all the questions today. I'm really sorry, listeners. And it's the first time we've had to talk about genitalia size as well in in an episode indeed always always pushing the boundaries people (laughs) so the prosecution argued that this led up to feelings of anger building up and they that those feelings could have burst out onto sarah so i was thinking about this rach and touching on what you said earlier he had withdrawn the money but he'd also took a knife with him so just i had a few questions for you which you've kind of already answered yeah. So do you think that possibly she'd turn him down for whatever reason, maybe because of his size? Oh, yeah. so, so he raped her, killed her, and then mutilated her. Because I'm not sure, like you, I'm not sure why he'd have drawn the money otherwise. I can see why he went there without money, with a checkbook, because he wanted to see if the flat was empty apart from her. But he actually then went to withdraw the money, and that was one of the bits of evidence like they, they mm-hmm. could prove that. So why... <laughs> It's odd to me that he's gone to scope out the flat with a checkbook and then gone to withdraw the money if his intention all along was to kill her. Maybe his intention was to rape her like he had done like 11 days earlier with the other escort. But why escalate the way he did? Why do people kill Rachel? Yeah, I know. If if that made sense to you, then you'd probably be a killer yourself, wouldn't you? Thank God I asked that question. Yeah, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, what do you think, people? Let us know, because it, it, it's an odd situation. So David would not take the stand and give evidence, and his defence would argue everything the prosecution put forward was either made up or circumstantial. So the trial would last for two weeks, 
And what do you think, Rachel? Was he guilty or not guilty? I mean, we know he was guilty, but was he found guilty or found not guilty? Oh, I'm I'm saying 100% he was found guilty. This is what, 1992? By the uh, time he goes well, to trial? 1993 when he went to trial. Three? Yeah, no. I, I think, like, they're probably, even though they've obviously dismissed allowing previous convictions, um, they were probably a lot, like, firmer and harder on there being sufficient evidence to go to trial at the, in I would imagine back then. So I'm I'm gonna hedge my bets that he was absolutely found guilty and the book was thrown out. And I certainly hope he was. Good. I'm I'm glad you think that I agree with you, but unfortunately David would be found not guilty. Are you joking me? No. He would be acquitted of the murder charge. And as a law at the time meant you could not be recharged for the same crime twice. Oh, my God. Yeah, David would walk free from the courtroom, a free man. Oh, my God. Yes, which is why we are only... I'm so glad that Double Jeopardy, like, now exists where you can be tried for the same case. Obviously, there needs to be, like, additional evidence or something that went wrong majorly with the first case, but people like this getting off on a technicality and then not being tried again is just madness, isn't it? It is, yeah. It is, I agree. After the trial, Sarah's mum, Pat, would criticise both the trial and the police, saying that the police had messed up parts of the investigation. She she didn't say which parts, and she also criticised the judge for not allowing some bits of evidence again. She didn't say what, but we can assume it was the fact that she he wouldn't allow in the previous convictions. And she also accused the judge of rushing the trial, with it originally being scheduled for three weeks, but it was over in two. Now, the police would say afterwards, which is quite a unusual thing to say, they don't say it often, that they were closing the case on Sarah because they believed they had discovered who had killed her, even if he hadn't been convicted. So over the next few years, David would go on to rape at least two more women that we know of, but from what I can gather... Wow. Uh, Did he have the audacity to carry on? Yeah, I know. Yeah, so, um, he, yeah, because this came out at a later date because he was never ever charged... Um, he was never ever charged with any more rapes, but it's believed that he committed at least two more. So let's skip forward to the June of 1999. Now, David was now 43 years old and he had attended a swingers party in Essex. Well, at the party... Sorry, Sorry, do you mind me asking, like, how would he have gotten invited to that? And it's probably a rhetorical question, because I'm sure No, I can answer this question. Oh, wow, okay. No, how on earth? He's got no friends, and he's obviously getting quite a reputation. I I imagine he would have garnered quite a bit of attention in 93 in that court case. How on earth would he have gotten invited to a party? Well, I think it wasn't widely reported on... Because so I was doing the research and the newspapers, everyone stopped reporting it basically about a week after he got acquitted. So by six years later, it'd be forgotten about. But um, but in those, I can answer this. In those, do you remember those? You think you're too young, Rachel. Um, they used to have free free newspapers like called Loot and stuff, which was just about buying and selling and stuff like that. No, I do not remember them, and I love it when you bring up things that make me feel like I'm young. You are. And basically, in those, in those, they had a classified section, 
where you could meet people for all various different kinks and um, your own whatever whatever. And you thing you're you can there. still do that to a certain extent in like your local rag, can't you? Yeah, you can. But this was like blatant, like uh, looking like they're looking for male who likes like mm-hmm. this and that and stuff like that. Yeah, um, and also the advertising like adult magazines and stuff like that. But yes, um, so that's how we do it. And obviously, you don't know the people, do you? So that's why you got an invite. And this was like a host test. So it would be, I recommend you watch him on Channel 4, on all four. Me and Nikki, we laugh so much at it. Um, so actually, if you, if one of our listeners ever took part in it, then we weren't laughing at you. But um, there's a show called, so like a one off. Uh, documentary type thing i think it's called swingers or something similar and it's just like a final wall of one of these places that do these things like like horses parties and it's quite like quite grim like it doesn't like it's not like a essential thing it's yeah it's pretty gruesome you know what andrew like that i mean i've never seen that show and i'm not gonna lie i probably won't watch it but that's very much the difference between what you and Nikki watch to wind down versus what I might watch to wind down. Like, I don't know whether anyone still tunes into like Dave on the old Skybox and, and a bit of Takeshi's Castle, but my God, that stuff never goes old for me. You know, people, th- and, and that, when you said, oh, I'm not sure whether any of our listeners participate, and I don't mean to put you down if you do, but. I always used to think, what kind of people like would 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 willingly sign up for Takeshi's Castle? But it's fucking hell, it's some fun entertainment, isn't it? Yeah, they've got a new they've remade. It. Have you seen? No, I think it's on Netflix. It's on one of the streaming ones. I've not watched it yet, but I've seen it. Yeah, they've remade it. Um, oh wow! It's like last year, I think they remade it, or this year. Well, I'm digressing. Yes, yeah. so yeah. Um, he would attend a swingers party in Essex. Sorry, people, we went off on a tangent there. Now, while at the party, the hostess showed David around. I guess we need a bit of lightness, don't we? Um, showed yeah. da- the hostess showed David around, and she showed him a dungeon with sex S&M stuff in it, and he showed a really keen interest in it, asking the hostess if she could be tied up in it for him to do stuff to her, which she replied, no, it's only for our guests. Oh, okay. So he then left the sex party to pick up a sex worker in the Paddington area of London. The sex worker was called Amanda Walker, for who, from what I can gather, had been in the profession for several years and had a young child. She was supporting by doing that work, and she was 21, by the way. Amanda was originally from Leeds, but had moved to London to try and earn more money doing what she was doing. But tragically, from interviews with those that knew her, she was, she actually told friends on the very same day David picked her up that she was considering giving it all up and moving back to Leeds. So even on that day that David picked her up, she'd already been arrested for soliciting, but she'd just gone straight back out again after she'd been released to carry on doing it. I think she was, unfortunately, doing it out of necessity to to feed her kid and other things rather than a choice, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes it makes sense. And again, it's heartbreaking, isn't it? What pe- some people are 
driven to to put food on the table and make sure bills are paid. It's really, yeah. really sad. Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, there would never be a return to Leeds for the 21-year-old Amanda. David would have sex with Amanda before stabbing her to death. After he had killed her, we're not sure where this happened, but the belief is it was near his home. After he had killed her, he mutilated her genital area with a knife. Now, sorry for the description here, but it was described in court that he basically cut her genital area out of her body. Oh, my goodness me. He was allowed to do this again. This this is such so tragic that, like, this repeat behaviour, he learned nothing from getting away with the first murder and no exactly somebody else died in such a brutal way yeah after he had killed her mutilated her he then dumped her body in some woods near the royal horticultural gardens in in wisley which is near his home the day after he had killed her two young girls were out walking just a mile from where david lived and they came across the blood-stained clothes of amanda that david had dumped they would call the police who would forensically examine the clothes and then arrest David. Amanda's handbag, which was with the clothes, had David's fingerprint on it and his own blood would be found on the clothes too, where she had fought back and made him bleed. David was arrested, but the police had no body and no idea who owned the bloodstained clothes. So David would be bailed pending further investigations and it would would remain that way for several weeks. So several weeks after Amanda had been killed, a worker at the horticultural gardens noticed a really bad smell coming from the woods near the gardens, so he went to investigate, assuming it was the body of an animal that had died, so he could disp- oh. so he could dispose of it. Obviously, we you can guess it was there that Amanda's body was found. On further investigation. They would find the injuries I have already outlined, along with the evidence that she had been tied up and that leaves had been forced down her throat. So David would be, would be rearrested, and he would tell the police that he could not account for what he had been doing after he had left the swingers' sex party on that night that a man had been killed, that he simply could not remember. So he would be charged with murder, and this time around he would be found guilty of murder and be given a life sentence with a minimum term of 18 years. Not long and, enough, in my opinion. He needs to be locked behind bars forever. Yeah, and it was only after his conviction would he actually, like, a lot uh, long after his conviction that he would admit to the murder. He wouldn't admit to mutilating her body, but he would admit to killing her. Do you, do you think he had some sort of, like, um, mental health condition where he would go to a different place? like in his head when he was doing stuff like this and he genuinely did think that you know he wasn't responsible for no, the, the crime no. he was committing no it's believed that he wouldn't admit to mutates in her body because then they could link that to what he did to sarah oh uh, okay got you so he that's why he wouldn't admit to mutate in her body but, killing but would her. they have by this time and apologies i'm not sure when double jeopardy came in but would they at this time have been able to retry him for that, or would that not have mattered anyway? Uh, well, we'll come, we'll come on to that one, Rachel. Okay, sorry. I, 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 do, I do touch on double jeopardy, so you're going along the right lines here. So after his arrest, police would announce that they were looking into 50 more sexual assaults 
that they thought could be attributed to David. So it's like at least 50 more rapes, but nothing ever came of that, so I'm not sure why, but he was never charged with it anymore. In 2021, so 21 years after he was sentenced for Amanda's murder, David was still in prison, but now he was 67 years old. A cold case investigation unit had been tasked with examining Sarah's murder, and as a result of that, an appeal was made on behalf of the Crown to retry David for Sarah's murder. Now, do you remember we discussed the Criminal Justice Act in your excellent Patreon episode for October on the parole system, Rachel? Yeah. Well, as a result of that act was that the double jeopardy law was changed. So prior to that, a person could not be charged with the same crime twice, but now they could, but they could only be charged one more time. Was that 2003? It was, yes. Yeah. So the Court of Appeal would allow the appeal for David to be tried again. So in the retrial, the prosecution was allowed to introduce David's past crimes as evidence. They were also allowed to show the similarities between Sarah's and Amanda's deaths. In Amanda's trial, evidence was heard from a cellmate of David's when he was on remand, in which he'd boasted of already having gotten away with one murder because they didn't have enough evidence, but also confessing to Amanda's murder. This is what the cellmate would say, and this is word for word. He had told me that he was responsible for another murder, where he said he'd cut a woman's breasts off. He kept saying about how the blood actually came out and that it was really sexy and stuff. When he told me about this, he showed me how he would cut around the breasts. He didn't tell me much about this incident, other than it was about seven years ago, that he was on remand for 18 months, that he went to the Old Bailey, and that he walked. He said that they got no evidence on him, and that he got away with it. Now, obviously, at the time of Amanda's trial, he couldn't be charged with double jeopardy, but he also went on to admit to his cellmate about um, Amanda's murder as well so it could actually now be used as, as evidence against him and also unfortunately for David but fortunately for the rest of humanity the confession was never disputed in Amanda's trial obviously because they thought they didn't have to dispute it so it could be brought into evidence against David and he couldn't really object to it now it. Yeah. Yeah. it wouldn't be a long trial and he would be quickly found guilty of the murder of Sarah some 30 years or so after he had actually committed the murder. The judge would label him dangerous and an habitual liar. The judge in his comments showed regret that the minimum term sentences given were shorter when he committed the crime than these days, and he had to stick to what was appropriate at the time of the murder, otherwise he could disappear. But the judge actually stated that he wanted to give him longer than he could give him. So he would be given a life sentence with a minimum term of 27 years. Now, it's almost certain now that this means that he will die in prison. Good. Which, which is I'm really sorry. I know that doesn't sound too nice. And we do talk about the need for prisons to rehabilitate. But in this instance, I firmly do not believe this man should be walking free on the streets. And he definitely did it because the police would say at a later stage that the confession that he made to his cellmate about how he killed Sarah was an information that was never released and made public 
but Mike's house server had been killed and cut up. So there was no way that it was like the cellmate lying. And the cellmate mm-hmm. also didn't get any benefit from saying about the confession. He didn't get any reduction in sentence or anything like that. So, yeah, what do you think of this one then, Rachel? Um, yeah, I don't think there are any other words other than heartbreaking again. Um, how can this man have been able to roam free for so long and do what he did? Well, you've explained to us how, but it's so upsetting and unnecessary that he was, yeah, free to do what he did to those women and, you know, affect and impact their families for the rest of their lives. It's not fair. Well, most definitely, because Sarah's mum came out when Amanda died and he got sent to prison. Sarah's mum came out and said, I told everyone that he would do it again. She did actually at the beginning when he got acquitted and she came out again and said, I told everyone that he would do it again. And when he actually got convicted of Sarah's murder, because it was only last year, when he got convicted of Sarah's murder, he, her mum and dad had already died and her sisters, oh. her sisters made a statement saying, we're really happy that he's finally seeing justice, but... It's, it's really sad that our mum and dad could never see justice happen for Sarah. Wow. Yeah, imagine being like knowing that someone's killed your daughter and knowing that he's killed Taking again. That to the grave. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. So, shall I wrap this one up then, Rachel? Yeah. So, this has been season four, episode one, called The Honey Monster. And if it saves you to do so, I might like to relax, close your eyes and picture the scene. So nicknames. We all get them and we all give them. But should we be thinking more about them? If you look at David Smith, Wayne Cousins and many in between, they're found to have nicknames given to them that turn out to be quite spookingly accurate after the fact. Now we can obviously never arrest on a nickname, but should we at least look and think? Why do we feel naturally instinctive to call this person this thing? Mm. Interesting point. Okay, thank you, everyone. Welcome to season four. We've got some great episodes lined up and hopefully some good collaborations too, but we shall see on that point and we shall see you next week. See you next week, guys. Bye. Bye.